Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding. From grants to crowdfunding, I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for wish-granted tips, tools, and templates to write a winning grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? Visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-G-O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money can be groovy. Welcome to How to Identify Projects for Your Nonprofit. All right, here we are. So just to really start this off, um, I want to say, please listen to the needs and strengths assessment. So listen to the previous podcast because that will set you up. First, you really do need to go out and it doesn't need to be an extensive $50,000 project for a needs and strengths assessment, guys. You can just go out, do survey monkey or do hard copy surveys even and say, hey guys, what do you need? What are your challenges? And what are some of the solutions or strengths in the community to really identify um, you know, what the best projects would be to put into place. So if you just come up with your team and say, hey, we know what our, who our beneficiaries are and we're going to develop projects, that's not the best approach. You at least want to have them uh, beneficiaries a part of that brainstorming session with your projects or you want to go and do a quick kind of survey or conversation with them just to figure out what is the best approach and what are potential uh, risk and contingencies to put in place. All right, but You've done that, right? (laughs) All right, so here we go. So how to get those projects? Because projects are, you know, a lot of times what the nemesis is of the nonprofit because if they don't work, your nonprofit may dissolve, right? You, If people bank too much on their projects, then they might go under, which is not the best way to do it either. Remember, your project is not your program. Your program is like, you know, your, your kind of, the, the main basis of your organization. So that might be the executive director, the accountants in there, the building, the da, 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 the main thing. And any project you have is just kind of an arm um, to help um, your beneficiaries and to do something specific. It should help benefit the program, the huge kind of head, but it shouldn't, like if your project doesn't work, it doesn't mean the program should actually go under. Okay, guys, so before I really go into that so much, though, let's just talk about the project. All right, so you've done your needs and strengths assessment. You've identified the needs in your community and the strengths. Good job. So you now have some hard data to back up your project. And what a strengths and needs assessment will also do is you'll garner beneficiary support because you're out there going, hey, guys, what do you need? What are your strengths? And you're actually communicating with them, and they feel like they have a voice in this, right? Um, You have that data, so you might have qualitative or quantitative stats to back it up. And you've established further credibility because you could um, publish whatever report on your website. You could share it with your partners. You could say, hey, look, we're out there. We're collecting information and resources. So now it's time to actually start developing the project. So what do you need? Well, now you know what the need is in the community. What do you need for your project or to start your projects? So, for instance, maybe you have um, a nonprofit 
that serves people with substance abuse issues. And they have, you do a lot with people who have recently come out of Department of Corrections and you really provide services for them, your, maybe some peer support, etc. So we're going to use that kind of, uh, kind of as an example today. One thing you might say is, hey, you've established that there's a huge need for transporting clients to services. So what would you need to do to overcome that transportation barrier? That might be something that they've also selected, you know, on a survey. So what are your major barriers as you come out of DOC and you're, you know, you're trying to, you know, stay healthy and sober and, you know, be employed and just your quality of life, da, da, da. And they might have overwhelmingly say transportation is a huge barrier. You take, so you take this information and you say, okay, what can we do to make this work? What can we do? What kind of project do we want to develop to, do, to address this need? Would it be possible creating an Uber-like project? Um, establishing more local or regional programs in areas that are easily accessible, giving out bus passes, creating a carpooling activity, connecting with the local transportation system, implementing more online courses so they don't even have to get into cars, etc. Like these are all ideas. So as you go into your first, you want to start your brainstorming group. And these would be some great ideas. And you might even get the ideas because you did the strengths part of your survey. So people already said, hey, this is what's working. Or these are some things that we think that would work the best, right? So you can leverage some of those ideas as well. That is a great option. But in any event, there are many options and creativity and innovation are key to unlocking opportunities for projects. But resources are also extremely important. As you brainstorm through potential projects, also identify what resources are needed for each of these projects to meet the need. Remember, resources are not just cash. It's not just money, right? There are also leveraged resources from partners, such as corporate sponsors donating a seven-passenger van, volunteers, also people who will provide carpooling, and time, developing online courses. So that might take a lot of your time. Make sure you list down each of these for each potential project. So you want to look at four things. One, money, because a lot of times there is a cost to it. Two, leveraged resources or partners. Three, people, what's your manpower? And four, time. How much time is this project going to take you? And once you kind of look and brainstorm and you have all these different ideas for these different programs, you can really hash out these four questions for each project and then see what makes most sense for your organization to actually implement. All right, this will give you a better idea of what's doable and what areas you should dedicate your time and energy to and which project or projects you should actually develop. All right, so let's start with brainstorming the project ideas. Now it's time to list out the potential projects. If you want to, you can also listen to the podcast, How to Get Your Nonprofit from Surviving to Thriving. They have We have uh, articulate goals, smart objectives, and a detailed action plan. There's a whole downloadable free template that you can get. Um, so you can definitely get the free toolkit on strategic planning by visiting uh, grantwritingandfunding.com. So you can check that out as a resource. All right, so you will want to create a plan of who is in charge of what and give specific timelines for each activity and outcome for each objective. For example, if you have a nonprofit that serves people in recovery and through your needs and strengths assessment, you found that there's a huge barrier for many of the non or the beneficiaries having transportation to attend AA meetings, then you will be probably looking at creating a project to address this challenge, just like we just discussed, right? <laughs> so you may have found that many of these individuals are living below poverty and have recently been discharged from a jail for federal crimes, Department of Corrections, and are having a hard time getting jobs. 
so that's another need. Therefore, they do not have money for gas or bus money to get to meetings or to apply for jobs. All right, so before you're just like, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. There are um, definitely brainstorming, right? We already came up with some that before. So maybe potential projects could be creating an Uber-like approach by utilizing the individuals as drivers and commuters, having more online interactive groups, working towards peer recovery support systems in your community, securing a large van and providing transport from your organization, or starting home-based small microenterprise projects. I mean, these are all different ideas, and you could do one or more of all of these simultaneously or in a sequential order. So it just, projects are unlimited, guys. I just want you guys to feel like sometimes the need just is such a cycle and it feels like, how can we even address this? It's so overwhelming. But man, if you sit down and you brainstorm and especially get some of your beneficiaries or at least the information from your needs and strengths assessment, then you're really going to be able to develop awesome projects. All right. So maybe your nonprofit would do a mix of all of the above that we talked about or brainstorm further options that would best meet the needs of your beneficiaries. This is the creative and fun part where you can really come up with ideas of what would be the best solution. For each of these projects, though, you would define, remember, what is not just the best solution for your beneficiaries, but what the most realistic approach is concerning the capacity of your organization. So you do have to say, oh my gosh, this would be just such an amazing project. But if you look, remember the four things, money, resources, manpower, or time, and you say, look, we're really not sufficient in you know, two or four of those or whatnot, and it's just, it's not doable, or we have to see how we can actually make that happen. So for example, you would have... Um, I have, and I definitely have a visual of this on my website. So grantwritingandfunding.com, go to this episode and you'll be able to see a visual. But how I'm going to look at this is like one, two, three, four, five. So five columns. We have five columns. One column is the project. So under the project for this example, we would say Uber approach. And then we have money, resources, manpower, and time are all subsequent columns. So you really list it out. So for money, <clears throat> you have a couple of different options. And you could put this under there. A, free. If approach auto, so you might not need money if you approach the auto industry for secondhand tax deductible donations. So basically what I'm saying here is an idea could be, you know what, um, we could get free vehicles if we approach certain auto industries. I mean, you might not, but hey, it's, it's an idea, right, to go after some of your, your corporate uh, relationships and say maybe they would donate their older models, especially towards the end of the year, and say, hey, this is a tax deduction. So what would the resources be? Well, you'd have to ask, does anyone have an extra car too, maybe, right? So some, maybe somebody in your circle or on your board or something has an extra car that has been sitting there and they're, you know, they're willing to um, either sell it to you at a, a very good price or give it as a tax deduction. Okay, so the manpower for this, um, for especially the first one, well, even the second, is uh, Sally. I'll just call her Sally. She writes letters and visits auto industries to solicit. So somebody from your organization would actually have to do something to approach either the car industry or even board members or other people um, that are close-knit to your organization to actually uh, formally uh, ask and request a vehicle. All right, and the time would be, of course, writing the letters and approaching the companies. This might take a couple of months at least just to go ahead and even if you have to research and say who is the best fit, who is the auto industries in our area that actually give to nonprofits, who do we have relationships with, do we know anyone on their boards, etc. You could really break this down and be strategic in how you approach those industries. 
Now, another idea would be, okay, you guys, you know what? We are going to have to get up to $10,000 for a second-hand vehicle. We're going to have to come up with that money. So you definitely want to find at least three quotes so you know you're getting the best deal, right? And in that way, um, your resources, too, of course, you'd have to go out and look for it, but you'd also have to come up with a hiring system and a job spec specification for your drivers. So if you're actually going to implement this project, you have to figure out, hey, guys, what are we actually going to do? You'd also have to develop a schedule for transportation. Who's picking up who at what time? How are we going to do this? Um, do we have, are we just using WhatsApp? How are we going to, you know, um, really make this work? And then, of course, you need to develop a payment plan. So is it nominal? Is it a nominal payment? Because you're serving very you know, people in poverty that don't really have money even for the bus. So how are you going to make this work? How are you going to fund it? Is it through donation? What's going to really happen to make it be sustainable? Because even if you do get the vehicle, how is it going to be maintained, right? Now, the manpower for this might be you have to, to actually come up with the money to buy the car. You have to have 20 volunteers and, you know, to do fundraising through car washes, crowdfunding, write grants, etc. You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to get the money? And at that point, even too, you could say, once the project does happen, how many people are going to be drivers? Um, you know, what are the selection criteria for that? Are they going to get paid? Are they just going to be able to transport themselves to the meetings and they're going to be, you know, have to pick up other people? Do they trade cars every other week, etc.? And there's a lot of logistics that would need to be worked out. So this is your time to really do that and say, what are we going to come across? What are some of the issues that we may come across? And then, of course, this process to actually raise the money on your timeline, how much time is this going to take you? This could take six months to a year to actually raise this money. So it's really looking at those main approaches. And then, as you can see, once you start listing them out, the questions start coming up. Well, how are we going to do this? Well, what if this happens? And then you would list all those things out and really address them. So you'd want to break down these steps even further but put, by putting deadlines and people responsible for each action. But overall, this gives you a good system to start brainstorming and see all what would be realistic project management plan. All right, once you define which projects are the most realistic and would best meet the needs of your beneficiaries, you are entering the second phase, project management plan. And we kind of stepped into some of these when we started talking about risk, right? But here you may plan for the specifics of the campaign, including the duration of the project, how much it will cost, what exactly you plan to do, and who's in charge of what. All right, so when talking with your team, you can develop a schedule, outline milestones, and establish deadlines for key deliverables. So you really, I mean, man, charts, charts, charts. <laughs> you do really want to be able to have this stuff outlined um, very clear. So a key consideration to note is who will handle the money for each project. So if you are collecting money or donations from commuters, what is the system for collecting money? How is it accounted for? And so forth. If you are re or if you are paying the drivers, then questions to answer would, would be, of course, how much, how often, what is the process, is it a stipend, are they considered employees, are they considered employees, of course. There are key uh, benefits that you'd have to include, such as FICA, workers' comp, any health benefits, etc. So you'd have to account for these expenses as well, right? All right, so don't leave the financial part to just figure out later. This is an important part of your project planning. It can feel like you are in the weeds for a moment, but believe me, if you don't ask these questions, then you might be swimming in confusion instead and have a lot of really upset people. All right, 
What do you mean you're just paying me this much? What do you mean it's only this often? Da, 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 da. You want to have all this explained. You want to have all of this outlined. Here you should also plan for the worst case scenario because things do go wrong and you should always have a contingency plan in place. Ask your team, what is the worst thing that could happen? Well, a driver might steal the car, a crash might happen, etc. Then you have to make sure you collect all information about the drivers and put into place clear actions and responsibilities for each driver. For example, do they return the car back to a supervisor after all meetings? Identifying risk is really key in ensuring that you are not putting out those virtual fires and are solution-oriented in your structure. Because believe me, things do come up and you really want to make sure that everything is accounted for. And this is something even that once you draw it out, okay, so say if you were going to approach those uh, auto industries to actually donate some vehicles, they would ask you some of these questions or they might, right? So instead of going and say, uh, well, you know, we're just, we're going to figure that out later. You would have this whole thing already in place and say, yep, this might happen. And this is what we have into, you know, in place to ensure that we mitigate most of these risks and da, da, da. this is what our organization will do, or we're going to put this thing in place as well to help supplement, etc. You know, you, you just really want to have this all drawn out so you can actually answer questions before they're even asked. And then they're going to be like, man, they got their stuff together. They are ready for this and they will be way more willing to give to you. So projects do not need to be complicated or take days to outline. If you have done all the pre-work, the actual project development should actually fall into place somewhat naturally. You will need to schedule each task, who is responsible for each task, the deadline for each person, and so on. But really, that's simple work. It's not easy. I'm not going to say it doesn't take time, but it is simple. All right. The next steps that we're going to look over in our next podcast will be implementing and evaluating the project. All right. So we will talk more about that next time. And in the meantime, let me know if you have any questions on projects. I'll see you next time, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the grant writing and funding podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.